Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Art and Labor. I am OK Fox. And I am Lucia Love. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> pew, pew. Art and Labor in space. Tastefully shooting lasers into the Barbarella. void. <laughs> Art and Labor Barbarella font. Oh, my God. <laughs> to save the universe, you have to ride in a swing. <laughs> I, I'll be the Zardos guy and you could be the Barbarella lady. Oh, thank you. Uh, oh, that's so nice. Labor. <laughs> Yay, somebody please help us. Can we have new personas but uh, as these people? Yeah, sci-fi dystopia. Yeah. I, I guess was Barbarella dystopia? I actually well, don't remember. No, it was actually, a, actually it was pretty pleasure nice. Pleasure dome sort of. <laughs> yeah, and it has, and Jane Fonda plays Barbarella, which is great. Right. And she's amazing. like, I mean, I love Jane Fonda. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I think it's I I think that movie fucking rocks. I mean, mostly for the set decoration, but oh, the well, yeah. I, as far as sci-fi goes, it's definitely not my favorite like space saga yeah. epic thing. <laughs> but like, I love her political career. Like all the work that she did against the Vietnam War and everything. So me, like anything Jane Fonda does, I'm just like, oh, there she is. She's so yeah, cool. Yeah, she's pretty neat. Yeah, she she's getting getting arrested to this day. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. true. She never stops. Um. Yeah, she's neat. Um. Anyway. Yeah. Welcome to Art and Labor. Um. The show about art workers, but um. Yeah, I don't even work anymore. I'm just unemployed, like a lot of people. Oh, damn. I work all the time. <laughs> I just keep working. It's like, I, I like make my life around it. Keeps me it's, e even. It's good. It, it, it helps to have stuff to do. I've definitely had some gigs here and there. But it helps. I, giving me, I, I do have stuff to do, like... I'm pretty active in my tenants union, but that's kind of like my one thing I do. And you're <laughs> online. I do go online, though I got addicted to a video game, so less online, which is good for my brain. Um, so that's nice. Media I'm, helps. I'm just <laughs> the kind of weirdo that like makes up work to do. Like, if nobody hires me, I just give myself jobs. I mean, it's good. I, I, I feel like it's like, for me, I'm like, I become like, oh, I'm going to, you know, make my house really nice, organize my things and cook a really elaborate meal. And that's kind of like stuff that I make myself do. <laughs> oh, yeah. All the food you've been making looks amazing. I do really, really like to cook and get better at cooking and, and learn learn about cooking and learn about ingredients. And make um, cookbooks. Oh, yeah. I was making a cookbook, and I, I should finish that. Yeah, yeah, please. Everything that you're making is amazing, and I feel like, I don't know, you should just, like, take photos of the things that you make recipes for and, like, then <laughs> just splice it with a zine that's, like, a cab. Well, I know it's almost done. Um, the the one I was working on, I did like all, all the text, which is the hard part. I just need to put it together, which is like the fun part. 
<laughs> do it. I don't know how to cook anything. But you know how you know a lot about ingredients and putting stuff together. Like you can make a chartreuserie. That is true. I've worked in food industry and had many food centered jobs, but um, like I don't know. I don't put effort into feeding myself. So it's like if I don't, if I'm not working in the food industry, I just will like eat a chip dinner. Yeah, it's just different ways of of using your hands. You're using your hands to do like work on paintings, and like you don't like. I, it's like yeah, I don't know. Like I can get, I get like because it can be a lot of work to make something elaborate after working all day. Like I definitely did not cook as much when I was employed. It's harder to get the energy to do it. I think now we're getting into the classic uh, issues <laughs> of women's yes. women's work we're, in the house. I was kind of teasing that, like, because uh, it, you know, I joke about it before, but like, I am sort of like a house they, house husband, wife, house. <laughs> I like house they, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just cooking and cleaning and that sort of work. I mean, but it's not like Joey doesn't. Joey does it like as well. Joey's like a maniac with workaholic stuff, you know, working all the time. Yeah. It's, I think that's kind of what's happening now where if you actually are employed, you just like meet your job with this new vigor, knowing that all around you is a void of starvation and like, <laughs> and just like free fall. Yeah. It's, it's good to have it while you have it and like get it in, get it in while you can, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I just have, I've been, I've been thoroughly settled into that, like, just, just wake up, have the coffee, like, accomplish a task, um, limit the news, uh, like. Yeah, that's all help. That's, that's all helpful. Like, it, it, to have all those, that routine is so helpful to your mental state. Because that's like what people talk about when 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 they say that like you know being unemployed for a lot of people not for me necessarily because like I said I, I find things to do and and ways to enrich my life but for a lot of folks like yeah you it's it's like a form of alienation to be unemployed yeah I was feeling it last I guess last winter last spring I don't know whenever I didn't have a job before. Yeah, I remember. Before, uh, yeah, I can't even, I can't keep time straight anymore. But it was so screwed up because I think the, the clincher was being single as well. Mm. Just being like, oh, damn, I'm just in a room. I don't know what to do. Leaving this room is going to cost money. Yeah, it's so stressful. Yeah. It really is. It's, yeah, it's a real, it's a real pickle. I mean, at least in COVID, like I don't, I don't feel pressure to go out and do things. Although my friend has a drag show tomorrow in a park, and I'm like, I'm do it. Like, I'm like, I should just go, but I'm just like, I'm like, I'm feeling this like feeling that I used to feel of like, um, <laughs> like back in in the before times, mm. where like I'm just like, oh, I really should go to that, and then I like don't go because I don't feel like. It. <laughs> Yeah, look, you're like classic New York <laughs> cancel. 
before there was cancel culture, there was actually like canceling plans. Yeah, yeah. Cancel cancel plans culture. Um I should just go. And I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna bike all the way to fucking Prospect Park. You will <laughs> be happy you go to go. I just I think. I don't know. I went I to so. a friend's opening. Mm. Um, which was like the first art kind of thing that happened since all this nuttiness. And I was like, so scared. I was so like freaking out. Like all the, I had way more of a buffer before like going and being in a group of art people and being like, oh yeah, it's just this weird scene and you you navigate and you find your friends and it's fine. But walking up to this group and they were all out on the sidewalk, you know, it was like, right. it was a very leveling kind of experience. It's not like, ooh, look at everyone. So unapproachable. They're all like drinking wine on the street, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, this oh my God, there's people and they're all in the same place. Like, automatically overstimulated yeah i'm kind of i think i'm kind of afraid of that frankly <laughs> it's it's a lot but you should do it because afterwards i was like "Ooh, still got it but i do run it like because i do run into a lot of my friends at the protest that i decided to go to like i oh, it's so <laughs> it's so different though because it's but like it's at, yeah at a protest everyone is like here hold this like here say that like you don't think for yourself at a protest like you just do you're like what am i yeah. yelling today oh okay cool i did it no but, you, you you say hi kind of briefly before or after and it's not like, yeah but everybody's like chanting in unison so you can't even really hear what anybody's doing and then when you're like there before somebody's like hey do you want a bottle of water yeah <laughs> and it's like you know there's just things to do <laughs> so I was at a at a protest was it fucking yesterday i don't remember if it was yesterday or the day before god i don't remember time but, time's fucked i think it was the day before yesterday and um the racist rep Bob Holden, who, um, you know, uh, inflamed the big, like, anti-homeless uh, community board meeting we did an episode about. Oh, yeah. That guy. His staffers are, like, trying to get him to run for mayor. <gasps> Ew. <Yeah. laughs> but it's so sad. It's Ew. so pitiful. So, like, like they did this rally in MassPath, which is, like, one of these, like, reactionary sort of areas um in in queens where there's no public transit and um uh but i mean it's not as reactionary as like you'd think like and their their numbers are definitely dwindling a lot of them are fucking off to long island or florida or whatever the fuck Mm. they go um but uh yeah so they had this rally and uh we did the tenant the ridge tenancy did a counter rally uh, on the other side nice. of the street, and we we had we had more people. <laughs> Hell yeah, I love drowning out Nazis. <laughs> yeah, it's really they had the big like we support the NYPD like banner. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, in in local news, did you see that um, Industry City wasn't going yes. to the rezoning? Yes, I did. So hard. So there's this thing going on though with the Industry City um, businesses. Oh yeah. Where yeah, it was it was this kind of like fucked up feud thing. I'm not gonna put any labels on any 
of it, but some of the businesses were like in support of developers and uh in they had all of these weird Blue Lives Matter specials. Oh, and like man. yeah, so it was just it was just really strange thing where like um the like the tenants union in Sunset Park was just saying like sucks to you and they were literally calling out the businesses that were siding with the police and with like developers and I, I don't know it was it was this very yeah. uh I don't know it wasn't cringe it, it made me nervous I was like oh god there's gonna be a fight yeah there's um there's definitely some yeah it's it's it, it can be um difficult to gauge like which way the businesses are gonna go because definitely some businesses are like yeah we we back the blue because it's literally a fucking protection racket for them yeah like, you know and <laughs> that's how it works and i mean in 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 ridgewood it because um it's such a latino area like n- latino people are so heavily targeted by the police and ice who is targeting our neighborhood like just you know the um you know the little thinly paper sign that says sanctuary city is like very falling apart like it's oh god yeah yeah Yeah. it's just (laughs) crumbling and sun bleached yeah our other big campaign that like we're raising awareness about is this ab capstone project and I, i talked about it a little bit before i think i mentioned that we like we did a noise demo outside the developer's house. It was really neat. Um, that was a couple, that was a couple weeks ago and it, and that definitely got the developer's attention. And, um, we've just been, we've just been pestering him a lot. Um, but it's, it's a really hard development to fight because it's as of right. Um, so unlike industry city with industry city, it, it would have to be a rezoning. So it has to go through a political process through like city council yeah totally yeah most of it has just been about like hey how can we get the right reps to make sure that they don't vote for this exactly so you have like some leverage there besides like dealing with the developer directly but yeah with with this scumbag in ridgewood we it's it's as of right so we're dealing with the scumbag developer directly and it's it's really interesting (laughs) um to say the least, but he's, yeah, he's courting target currently. And it's, and it's antithetical to the businesses uh, around here. Cause they know that they're getting displaced by a target and by like a blink fitness showed up and like all these businesses that like, there used to be a community gym. Like there used to be like, you know, all of these like cheap department stores and there's less of them all the time. And, like, uh, so it's like it's happening to them too so like there there's not as much of that like yeah um back the blue uh small business uh shit <laughs> um but it does happen yeah it, do- it definitely does uh happen in glendale neighboring glendale <laughs> it's so disgusting yeah really yeah i was like anyway well speaking of uh, issues with police violence and white supremacy. Um, there's some art news that deals with these factors. Wow. Uh, right on the heels of uh, Breonna Taylor 
uh, murderers getting off scot fucking free um, on the anniversary of um, Emmett Till. Yeah, insane. I totally, can't. Totally, when I saw nuts. that. I was like, if it, we're just we're we're in hell. We're in a t- of a hellish time loop. Yeah. So, oh yeah, we are in a time loop, and and here's further proof of that. Uh, so. It was just announced like two hours ago <laughs> that um, this Philip Gustin retrospective that was organized by the National Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C., the Tate Modern in London, the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston, and the Museum of Fine Arts in Houston, which just lost his direct their director. Boop, boop. Oh, boop, boop. Um, uh, so they, they were going to do a whole retrospective um, of his work in 2021, but um, they just decided to push it back to 2024 and they made a joint statement about like the political atmosphere saying um, they wanted to wait until a time at which we think that the powerful message of social and racial justice that is at the center of Philip Guston's work can be more clearly interpreted. Um, and then they, they uh, said, we recognize that the world we live in is very different from the one in which we first began to collaborate on this project five years ago. Bitch, how? I, that is exactly <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm like, holy shit. But OK, the racial justice movement that started in the U.S. and radiated to countries around the world, in addition to challenges of a global health crisis, have led us to pause, which I would love to unpack this for a minute. Um, as you say, bitch, how? Yeah. Uh, okay. So in like, I think it was 2018, there was a 30 foot painting of a whole fucking KKK jamboree that went up in Texas, a giant ass painting, albeit, um, this painting was created uh, by Vincent Valdez. He's like Mexican American who does work um, bringing awareness to um, like Mexicans who were also lynched in 19th and 20th century, like, you know, uh, border disputes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah. So, I mean, which which also is like okay they're both coming from socially aware places um but that painting went up and um the the controversy that was around that painting was like that uh the curators talked to this thing called the museum best practices for managing controversy um Jesus like Christ. like that the yeah it's this like group um, that is from the National Coalition Against Censorship. So um, I don't know if I'm describing this the right I way, don't but like, what is a director for if not to like, do, or like a curator for if not to like do this themselves? Like, what is? I don't well, you, it. it's just you know, th- this is the history of like, you know, they put on something and they put their careers behind it. And then a lot of times they just are the fall guy for somebody's expression. Um, or they, or they 
stay in their position. You know, it's, it's debatable what happens, but in this case, the painting went up, nobody talked to the NAACP. So there was a huge issue with that. Um, but it didn't get taken down. Um, they just put a sign that said, uh, may elicit strong emotions. And then, and it, I'm like, okay, so that's literally, there's a huge, and it was like photorealistic, like just larger than life, big old KKK people. And now we're like, oh no, I don't know if we can show these like little goobery Philip Gustin KKK heads. Uh, you know, it might be too much for people to understand. And to me, I just see it as an issue of education because yes, like, yeah. Cause Gustin was like, when he was working, he, um, he was, I mean, not a out and out communist, but he hung out in the communist party and, um, he like did a whole bunch of public works murals. He, uh, he like, Com- he he like studied under Sequeiros, the Mexican muralist. I, yeah, Sequeiros rocks. Yeah, exactly. Like he's super, super keyed into the way that art affects like actual people and he um you know he was like jewish his family had to flee persecution and he spent like his entire life trying to figure out marxism but with existentialism so he was trying to understand like where where am i in the whole matrix of humanity and like how can people be free but how can they work together and like what does it mean to be like this color but also to be like from this lineage of persecution and like dealing with all of those crossroads with these paintings that people fucking relate to and that gets people's converse. Like people can have a conversation about it because it's not realistic too. Right. Right. I mean, really it's, it's people don't want to do that work. They don't want to have a challenging conversation. Um, They don't, want to deal with um controversy or backlash yeah because they're little cowards like i mean and and i get it like they don't want to lose their jobs whatever like yes cool um fine then yeah let's make the most like tame and digestible bullshit possible then that's what'll get shown and it's you know probably which is a really strange point of like kind of talking down to the audience and saying oh we don't think that you can clearly interpret this work like exactly what why not oh like and it's i don't know i'm i'm thinking also like they're like they don't want to have bad optics or something they don't want to they like it's like oh he's not this very simple identity narrative or something where it it actually sounds like optically it's fine even if that was a concern but yeah and that's and that's the kind of thing that i'm i'm really confused by because it definitely sounds like they're trying to hide that like Mm. uh, we just don't want to court any conflict whatsoever because we're some of the largest institutions in the art field and we're terrified by the way that um, other uh, like 
figures who are kind of gatekeepers in the scene have been um they've they've been challenged everyone is being challenged and they're like okay that's it for us we're gonna decide that everyone's art that they like that talks about like issues of the working class uh, we're not gonna do it anymore i don't know to me it just it blew my mind it blew my mind that it's kind of like oh is art gonna just get really really conservative again yeah is that what we're gonna see it is you're right. I think so. I think if, if, it if, freaks if, me if, out. If we're on the if we're on the seventies timeline, yes. Yeah. Uh, Which is so ironic because it's like Philip Gustin, right? So he showed with Marlborough Gallery, which is still around, um, yeah. and made its name off of artists like Gustin. But when he was showing with them, he had this he had like a show it was like in 19 it was 1970 i think because he started doing all this like work after 1968 because he was getting all in with the with the protests and revolutions and everything and he was like no i have to make something an image that goes against all of these bourgeois modernist concepts of what a good painting is so he started making those weird like scrubby dirty looking imperfect figures um but like his show in 1970 uh it got totally slandered by the times and everything it was just it was like people were just calling him just like totally out of touch and and like psycho um but in 1970s words so the title was a Mandarin pretending to be a stumble bum. Oh my god! Which so New York Times? Like, what Jesus are you even saying? Christ, God. Yeah. So, th- and then Ugh. he he like left the gallery. He left the city. He had to, you know, because he was like, "Well, I'm gonna make my work. I'm not doing this to be your friend." Right. Um. And now the same thing is happening where in the in 1970, people were like, listen, the world is falling apart and this is a visual cacophony and it's just, it's too wild and it's too triggering. And I was like, God, what? It's a picture. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think, um, I think we're, it's, 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 I think we're, it's not going to necessarily be like, yeah, like it's not going to be like, you know, like traditional conservative type of um, like resurgence. Like it's not going to be like trad art, right? I, I don't think that's going to happen. Oh, but I what I do think is going to happen is some like seriously vapid bullshit, like m- probably like, like, you know, uh, capitalist diversity politics type shit um yeah that's what i would put a wager on and i think it we're already starting to see as far as like the the major institutions trying to play it safe i think like that's what the whitney was trying to do with doing like a black lives matter show of course they fucked it up royally because that's what they do um like you know because that's more absorption in like that's that's another way for 
for these institutions to like absorb Black Lives Matter into the realm of like a cultural issue rather than a, you know uh, a, a challenge to institutional power. Um, I I I don't know if I'm like completely uh, articulating this perfectly. No, I think but. I think it makes sense. You know, it's there's going to be an acknowledgement of the current atmosphere but it's not going to be something that actually um, challenges it yeah it's mm, well i you know i don't think that it's gonna like the challenge is never gonna be something you can't anticipate right and i'm not gonna give up hope on being excited by art because it usually is um, I think there'll be great shit outside of the big museums. Oh, always. But and and <laughs> in that way there might also be some interesting challenges. But I'm also seeing um now this kind of trend coming back up of uh like spiritualist abstraction which is uh like kind of, you know, oh I, my, my work deals with the connectedness of all things and I just put colors that are pleasing to people because I studied optics and here you go. And, and it's to me, I'm like, you know, I would, I would buy a really nice, beautiful painting and I would look at it and feel good and you know, do the Matisse thing where the painting is the armchair for the weary businessman. Like, sure. <laughs> that's okay. That's, that is welcome in my art world. Um, but it worries me if there isn't a variation of voices. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think that is concerning to put off a show that is so relevant to everything. Um, and, and to blame it on the viewers that's what yeah. pisses me off yeah. I'm like oh right oh people are not going to understand the totality of his work because we're just so dumb we don't even yes. know what we're looking at yeah which is what I was trying to say with like what is, what does the director and curator actually do if not like actually present this shit in a way for people to understand it yeah like, 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 like you're saying, it is a matter of education. Like, and it's not because, of course, it's not just the curator and the director. There's like a whole fucking all, all these fucking museums. Did they, I guess they fired all their educators? I guess that's part of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Sorry, I just realized that. that is that is literally <laughs> something that has also happened. Yeah. Whoops. Maybe your educators could have helped you put some context in. Oh God! Well, we'll hire more once a new batch leaves college in four years. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll we'll just snatch them up for like you know, um, you know, substandard minimum minimum wage yeah. or whatever. Yeah, pennies on the dollar, baby. <laughs> Fully educated, ready and raring to tell everybody about what they're looking at. <laughs> I just like, you know, the other thing is like, I would understand like putting shit off because um, nobody's like, everybody's wary of 
something that's going to draw a big crowd, right? <laughs> like, I don't, like an into an indoor space, like. Oh um, sure, but like that's not. That. They're just going to do some <laughs> other show, though. Yeah. That's that's what's so annoying. It's like, oh, we just don't want them to see anything that triggers. Their, their, their reality I don't know I don't even know it's making me think of the way that uh, like Matt Chrisman is talking about art where it's just some kind of um, it, it's like the copies of the simulacrum just are, are like made off of themselves and then they become really brittle and just like and now we're just dealing with um, the the death knell of Hollywood and narrative um, in general because we can't like uh, we can't let new voices in we can't do anything because we're so hamstrung by capital yeah we cannot budge yeah, yeah. and then yeah. and yet people are using this as some kind of like a uh, like a therapeutic device which is which is like not working anymore. And then, and then, um, the way that the way that this is working too is like the politics of entertainment and the entertainment of politics are being reversed. Yes, God, which yeah. is just evident everywhere. It's like I can't participate in any discourse because it's just a free for all. It's true, um, and everybody's like. Like, I'm glad that we can start to analyze, like, how, um, like, I don't know, people talk about the attention economy, right? Like, like this, um, constant, like, um, need to participate in these discourses because people feel some sort of, like, monetary stake in it. Um, and that's so hard to undo, I think. Um, especially in in this fucking economy where you know people are just, like like we're we're reliant on it to like maybe find a fucking gig like you know <laughs> it's I think it's not even that though because when you look at all of the all of the replies from people who really just want the attention for itself, it's like. I don't know. Right now I'm just thinking of the whole octopus tweet thing. I don't even know. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, really? You no. missed you. <laughs> oh I, God, Jesus. You missed the dumbest thing. It reminded me of, um, I don't know. Like it was like very Tumblr. Okay. Uh, but there was this, there is this Netflix documentary, my octopus teacher. Oh, okay. Wait, I saw, I think I saw you retweet this. I think. Yeah. So there was, <laughs> this went everywhere. It got <laughs> so intense. It was like, um, oh, yeah. Liz Brunig was like, this is weird. I'm a, I'm a Catholic. <laughs> and then everyone's like, chill. It's not about <laughs> yeah sexuality. It's like a, about a spiritual connection with this octopus or some shit. And right. Then, and then Mackenzie Wark got involved oh in and was like, let me tell you about Eros. A oh, okay. thread. <laughs> so then we learned about Eros and the different types of love or whatever. And we debated that for a while. 
Yeah, that's the healthier <laughs> part of the conversation about the movie where a guy thought an octopus was amazing. <laughs> it's not that deep, I feel like. I mean, it apparently is beautiful as a movie. I'll watch it. I don't know. It sounds fine. Like, it, but it just doesn't sound like it warrants this huge. <laughs> no, but what's happening? Like New York Times columnist and uh, new school academic. Like, <laughs> yes, the discourse is in the gutter. <laughs> it's in the gutter, folks. But um, people who just, you know, haven't seen the movie, are not going to see the movie, are like, oh, let me take this chance to troll all over the situation and go like, you're all pedophiles. Like, you're <laughs> all into bestiality. An octopus is only two years old. You like babies. Oh, <laughs> my God. It's like the cuties thing, too. Yes. That thing got crazy out of proportion. Yes. Like, it's all. Oh, I kind of wanted to bring up the J.K. Rowling shit too. I feel like this is all related. It's all it just is. like these these webs and webs of bullshit that I hate. And I've just been playing a JRPG to not have to do it. <laughs> it I, yeah, it it is it is an it's all connected, and it's sort of like now that I think we're not finding any agency in like any t realms of power that are legitimate it's just it's like the self-policing and the weird mob mentality is turning into like this nasty i don't know like i don't it's just nasty it's culture war bullshit and every they all are dragging themselves into it for no reason <laughs> like just ignore it and that, and this is why I don't think that the attention economy is about money anymore. Even if it was, it was like it, you, there used to be people who would make an account and try to get ahead of stories and try to be someone oh. that you could like funnel your attention to for Patreon dollars or something. Yes, like someone would make like at Netflix octopus. Yeah, but like. now it's like. Yo, let's all just pay attention to this and like bash each other. But I feel like that bashing, that controversy does equal money in some way. Where? I I I think it does. I hear me out. Like it's similar to the red scare people, right? Like like they're not their their shit isn't like actually like their ideas aren't actually like that popular. It's just there is a a group of like people who are willing to pay for these types of controversial takes. Um, and if you get yourself out there as like a Twitter person, who's like known to get into it, that like could equal more eyeballs on your shit, which could then either equal more eyeballs on your Patreon or like the New York times noticing you. Um, Maybe. I think it's gone past that, though, because the people who had that strategy are drowned out by the sheer n numbers of I don't this. Even, like, I don't think it's necessarily a strategy um, on, on, on an individual's part. I just feel like it's 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 almost beyond it's it's like a compulsion thing. <laughs> I, like it, it might not even be that um conscious uh, uh, yeah well the yeah the platform is designed to keep us 
in these forms of discourse that enable like an irritation that keeps people engaged. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. if 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 you're enterprising that could uh like if you're good at branding yourself or if like you're part of an identity that that um is like branding is second nature or something like uh you're it, it helps it helps you it helps you get um more more media jobs um whatever that means um Ugh. Ugh. i think uh, but i don't know I, I think we're both pretty much agreeing in different ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just think, I don't know. I'm like, I think it's just become messier. So it's harder mm-hmm. to say what the impetus is. Yeah, I think it's tough um, because it just feels so fucking stupid in the face of everything now. <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah. Uh, I guess there was like back when maybe Bernie had a shot, like maybe. It, it felt like, oh, we'll, we'll, we got to smooth all this shit out so we can win and, and go and go forward with our coalition or whatever. And now it's just like, yeah, f- I don't fucking know. <laughs> like, who are you people? I don't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I mean, and this is what this is what just feels like it's going back to the there's there's like all this misplaced resentment and rage and like there's something about therapy and, and it's, yeah. And that's why I don't think it's about money anymore. I just, or like, I don't think there even is subliminally about money. I just think that, that the alienation and the, the mistrust and the disappointment has gotten to be so intense that it's like, well, if I can control the way that people feel about, love then i will fight about that for days with strangers because i can't fight about what where the course of our country is going or even like power yeah but i might have the power to change you know hashtag hearts and minds which is you know exactly a, a liberal a liberal concept um i don't know it's a mess out there folks yeah yeah yeah, I think that's all. I think it's all true. I think it's like part it, part of it is this like sense of like I influence people, but part of that is like getting institutional support for being that type of influence, right? Like part of that is like I am a tenured professor at place, so here I am. I'm going to talk about this, or I am the New York Times' token sort of socialist person, so I Ugh. have to have a take on this culture issue, you know? Absolutely. But, it, yeah, it's just, it's weird that we've made a, such a huge space for op-ed culture and that, like, <laughs> I don't know, the take mill is all... It's it's the breadth of our production now that entertainment is dying. Yeah, 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 and that's that's basically my point. Is like, yeah, with, if 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 um, entertainment can't happen in person anymore, um, then it the the online shit is just going to get even more stupid and even bigger and worse because um, everybody nobody can get their rocks off other ways. It's, it's great. Well, <laughs> they don't think they can, but it turns out 
there is still a whole big old world of you, things you, you can, can do. You can go to a drag show in the park at the old cruising grounds because everything is full circle. It's just slightly different. That's right. <laughs> and I don't know, like, yeah, it, it's everything is a little more dangerous, but it's like, yeah, I don't I'm the, Well, people the, were always complaining about missing that. So there right. you go. It's true. And and I'm like I'm putting myself in danger every time I have to go to the fucking grocery store. Like I'm going to like it's actually putting myself in less danger by staying outside and as long as I'm not like, you know, participating in whatever uh orgy in the bushes is happening. Like you know, <laughs> Oh god. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. It's okay to live. And like, like the right Just wing don't do a, it online anymore. There's a very very on like like right wing talking point about like the protests and like all these all these liberal governors support BLM and the protest and say that they have to have ma- masks that we have to wear these masks at the same time. What how does that And that's been pissing me off today because it's such a failure in in education and in in messaging that none of these fucking leaders can be like it's fucking airborne so you have the mask because it's fucking airborne and that people are asymptomatic but nobody can fucking say that like (laughs) well of course not it would infringe upon our personal liberties to exercise extreme denial in the face of obvious uh tangible evidence it's so insane. Like, like, and even the like libs who have a, a hard on for Farucci, like uh. Farucci, like did a um a, an epic takedown of Rand Paul, where he was like, I, I mean, it was good, but like the thing is, like, it could have been way shorter if he was just like, yeah, turns out um it's airborne and um asymptomatic people can spread it, so that's why, and like we didn't necessarily want to believe that that was true because it we knew that that would be a, such a worst case scenario but hey it is true and that's the reality now but he can't say that <laughs> so he yeah. has to like, say all this other stuff about like you know like those just vagaries of like oh things change and la 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 well i mean it goes along with the reports that were being issued by i guess i don't know what was it was like the cdc or something was like yeah um, they 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 reneged it right it's like oh well uh let's let's just not say exactly what is going on because Mm -hmm. trump is going to call us fucking anarchists and they're gonna say that we're actually like plotting against the government if we tell them that this airborne um virus uh will affect schools opening so you know of course messaging is just being screwed up because leadership doesn't want clear messaging to be propagated i mean there is there is an element like you know as fucked up as obama was um you know ebola was dealt with far differently than this no of course like it helps these governors to have the fed to be like look the fed told us this it's out of our hands but it's also like a failure in their leadership to not just do it themselves because it's like yeah it's like 
but there's also this race for like the small pittance that is afforded to states from the federal like coffers, you know. So everybody's like, "Oh shit, I don't want to get branded as as like an evil city that isn't allowed to have daddy dollars anymore." Yeah, it's just so unacceptable to me because it's just like, um, yeah, this is what it's like to fall apart. <laughs> yeah, like you know. Um, that whole ProPublica thing came out about like, you know, um, the mayor and the governor like choosing not to listen to California. And it's just like, okay, so like you're waiting for the fucking Trump White House to get its shit together and you're choosing not to trust California. Hmm. Um, it's like, okay, what what is the point of these two parties if they're just working in tandem for the president like well well, yeah i mean that's that's i guess like it's taking everyone a while to get with the fact that our like nobody's gonna like we've been saying this i know the beginning we've been saying this i'm preaching to the choir but i'm preaching it again because i don't know if people have listened to our march episodes but we were saying the exact same shit yeah it's it's crazy (laughs) it's just great like they're not they're not trying to help us because they're not trying to help us it's just not it's not gonna happen just as soon as we get really simple facts in line we can stop getting into the details of like how we're getting screwed over and just be like, Oh, like let's stop trusting them. They're screwing us over. No, Lucia, we had to argue about culture forever. Oh, I can't. I want, I just want to <laughs> hang out with my friends in a world where we're not all dying and burning. Please. Nah. <laughs> uh, sorry, dude. Um, we're going to rehash uh, we're gonna we're gonna rehash turfs again no. because this time a billionaire wrote a book about it. So oh. we all got to talk about it again. No, we all got to talk about it again because like this literal <laughs> fucking billionaire fabricated like a a bullshit fantasy narrative similar, very similar to how the police fabricate narratives about certain types of people. Um, in order to perpetuate fear, unfounded fear against a, 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 a certain groups, certain targeted groups. Oh yeah, but don't worry about it because Judith Butler um came out of <laughs> the uh of, of the busted zone uh, and was yeah. like, "Hey, you know, everyone is saying that J.K. Rowling is getting a lot of flack, but what about the flack that trans people get?" Boom. Totally resuscitated, totally revamped, totally new Judith Butler. We got out of the situation. It, it is true. We got we got a new we got a new Judith <laughs> Butler. Um, not you know, good for this one thing and this one thing only. Really, <laughs> yeah. Nobody remembers how she donated to Top Cop Kamala Harris because it's not she about that. said. That J.K. Rowling uh, bad. This is the, this is the thing. This is like this is the limit. This is the limit of the usefulness of liberals. This is the absolute limit, which is to go into a conservative publication and be good at an interview. <laughs> That's it. Wow! Yeah, the rocks. Um. Oh, and- also, to be an identity in a space, right? Yeah, you can't, you can't also, yeah, you can't say it 
say that shit, you also have to uh, be the the perfect stars have to align for you to say that shit and do it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but don't try to be a carbon copy like the new Rachel Dolezal. Right, right, right. Yeah, if you want to mess around with identity, you better make sure that you're a pioneer at this point cuz like liberals it, the the field is getting glutted. You know, yeah, it, it it it's exactly how we got Kamala Harris, Lori Lightfoot, whatever. Like these total you know, fucking awful murderer Monsters. scumbags. Yeah, because we insist this identity, this identity, this identity can 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 rehabilitate this just fundamentally unjust, corrupt system, and then they they can't not it's it's not it don't work like that. Yeah, they, they got a they got a bad read on power, and they got to go back to school. <laughs> they got it. Mm-hmm. They got to get reeducated, uh, communist style. But hey, speaking of communist education, <laughs> uh, we've got some updates. Yeah. In the constructing the real corner. How, how was your talk with Josephine Barry? Did we talk about it last week? I think we forgot. No. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, absolutely delightful. Folks, uh, constructing the real is having guest speakers. And we just had Josephine Barry on after reading through her text, Art and Bear Life where we discussed how basically it's like a very condensed, super intelligent, absolute genius. Wait, you cut out again. Say it again. Oh, Hey, am I back? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Art and bear life is an absolute genius condensed version of the things that we talk about on art and labor. Um, it's like, I, I don't know. Like she really does a great job of um, creating a history of biopower where you see exactly where the splits are made in social fabric to create neoliberalism and where um, those like cordoned off areas of life then affect each other. Um, so it's like the realm of politics, the realm of art, how are they fighting and how were they even made? Anyway, she came and talked with us and everyone was all starry eyed cause they were, we were all like, Oh my God, like we read your whole book and you're so smart, but you're treating us like people. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she's, she joined the discord. That right. Um, yeah, and she wants to uh, hang out and talk more. Uh, who knows? But if anybody else would like to join, um, our next guest speaker is going to be a friend of the pod, Kevin Stewart. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. Through the Kevin Ke- drop. Yes. Kevin. 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 It's Kevin. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember that at Do Something? Yes. <laughs> Damn, son. Where's Kevin? <laughs> For those who weren't part of the group of 20-something weirdos who did this open mic, there was this, uh, we did this weirdo comedy open mic, and there was this one musician guy who just came in just randomly. Yes. <laughs> his name was Kevin, and he would just play like it was so different than what everyone else was doing. Yes. 
Yes, he just wanted to share. It was so beautiful. <laughs> and we were like, all right, it's Kevin. <laughs> and so then, then, like, we made a drop for, like, the DJ of the show made a drop for him when he would come on. Fuck <laughs> yeah. Like, a very, like, damn, son, it's Kevin. Kevin. Yes. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and it's just, like, folk song. Yeah, he was just really, he's nice. Well, this is a different Kevin. He's gonna mix paint. Yeah, so he's gonna show everybody um, how to do a laking process, which involves, like, acid and beakers and fire and shit, and funnels. It's gonna be, like, a crazy lab setup. So he's gonna do a little video tutorial about how to lake brazil wood um yeah it's some like and he also is um like a historian of pigments um so he's going to talk a little bit about that so for anybody who is interested it's going to be september 30th um and it's going to be 7 p.m i think uh, Chicago time. Let me just check to me. Oh yeah, seven p.m. Chicago time. So if y'all are interested, write in art and labor podcast at gmail dot com. I will send you a Zoom link if you just want to check out the talk, or I will or, also just bring sorry, you constructing the real. Yes, sorry, you cut off a bit, but yeah, email about constructing the real you can also support us on patreon that helps a lot to um keep this show and constructing the real going oh fuck yeah dude patreon.com backslash art and labor is that it that's it you did it i did it (laughs) oh well um i think that's yeah, we're 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 pretty much wrapped up. I, I don't have anything to plug. I don't have anything going on. Um, um, other than well, if, you, if you live in Ridgewood, hit me up. But <laughs> hell yeah, <laughs> if you live in Ridgewood, and people have people have through art and labor, hit me up. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, which is fun. Yeah. Um. But yeah, anybody Ridgewood art and labor people always welcome. Um cool. Uh I guess that's it. Let's let's have fun. Yeah, let's have fun. <laughs> Should we all right, no, yeah, let's go. I, I I don't know. We could do a quick update on One Piece. Are you been, have you been watching? Oh, I made it to season two. What does that mean? Because I don't I, what arc are you on? Okay, so they basically they were t- the the gang was taking Grandpa Ryu, the legendary uh, millennial dragon, uh, all around the seas to find his breeding ground on this lost island. And Grandpa Ryu, the dragon, was having dementia, so he like couldn't give proper directions. And while they were out at sea, the Marines came and they were like, "Oh, sick! Those." dumb pirates have the dragon we're looking for let's catch it crush its bones up and then use them to gain eternal life um so there was a big old battle and they uh 
you know, they were like, oh no, what are we going to do? Grandpa Ryu is getting captured. But then in the nick of time, he remembers that he's a dragon and he gets all up and he's like, I'm going to call all of the dragons together with my dragon scream. And he just, you know, screams into the sky and a bunch of dragons come out and they were like, don't worry, we got you, which is great because Grandpa Rio got hit by tons of cannonballs and just dies and falls into the water. Um, but then uh, it's all right, turns out, uh, because they actually did make it to the correct place for oh. dragons to rest their bones. So they were, yeah, they were pretty close by all of the all of the dragons that got called in are like fighting the marines and you know they totally um just demolish them and then grandpa Ryu makes it to the burial ground which is nearby on warship island um which was the place where they started out in how ironic um, oh my god but he like settles all into the ground and becomes a part of the island. And then a baby dragon hatches out of the situation mm. and it was all circle of life and everything. And then and do they go, where do they go after that? They go over the grand line. They go, uh, oh, they go over a mountain with their boat. Very cool. And they meet a whale. And there's people living inside of the whale. Laboon, baby. You got yes. the Laboon. That's yes. awesome. Laboon is so precious. That's so a really, loyal. That's a really beautiful part of One Piece, the loyalty of Laboon. Yeah. So mm. we just we just got there where Laboon was healed from the trauma of losing previous pirates. That's awesome. That's great. Okay, yeah. Good One Piece update. I, I'm going to recommend a manga I've been reading called Hakume and Mikoshi. And it's very cute um, uh, story about two women who live in, they're, they're very tiny and they live with a bunch of like <laughs> forest creatures in like, um, in like this idyllic, little like forest communism lifestyle <laughs> it's very relaxing <laughs> and very chill. So nice yeah yeah it's cute there's, it's a very cute world they live in and I, yeah there's there's a there's a part there's a whole arc with like a, a carpentry union um and a part with that, that talks about um how there's no landlords in this world and how it works in this world. Um, oh, it's, it's really cool. Neat. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's that kind of speculation that people could take notes from. Definitely. Definitely. It's, it's kind of book Chinian, I would say almost like the, the way that things are parceled out and, Oh yeah, even though like anarchists, they don't have a plan, you know, they also just plan, all kind of their society. <laughs> well, I would I would say there's probably there's there's two different types of anarchists, but uh, yeah, there, but yeah, the bookchin ones I'm all, I'm of course down with. Uh, <laughs> Same. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's really really cute. I recommend it. There's like an anime, um, but I I I like the manga more. I think I, I don't know. 
Um, yeah, yeah, because yeah, you can imagine more that way. <laughs> I don't know. It's just the art's nicer too, and I don't know. Um, mm. But all right, that's manga corner. Take care. That was a little bonus for everyone still listening. <laughs> Boom! Just like a hidden track at the end of the CD. Yup. Bye. Let's have fun now. Now let's have fun. You've got <laughs> you've got directions. <laughs> Let's have fun. Let's have fun. Lots of fun.